he was, I was sitting with him. He couldn't stand up anymore. He couldn't move. He could only barely talk. And he said to me, he said, if Jesus came to you and said, you could know me at a level deeper than anything you could imagine and all the beauty that, that means, if he invited you into that, all you have to do is flip that switch and slowly suffocate to know me at that level. Would you do it? That's what he asked me. And I said, I, I, said, I would not. That he is. said, I am in that and I would do it again. And he died shortly after that. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. Today on The Killing Fire, I have the privilege of having Jamie Winship on the show. Thank you, Jamie, for joining the podcast. Yeah, really happy to be here. Excited to be with you. So, uh, guys, I, I was just saying before the show that that I'm probably more prepared for this show than I have been, I, and I can think of one other occasion that I have dug so deep into the material of the guests that I'm going to be talking to. Um, and uh, so, Jamie, I'm really excited, and and I just have to come out of the gate just kind of saying I've been very upset with you. <laughs> so, but in a very good way. I. I, um, when I first got uh, introduced to some of what Jamie uh, really talks about, it was um, very, um, it was very aggravating and also very provoking. Um, and so before I kind of get into that story, uh, I'd like to like to, if you would share with the listeners, kind of what you do, what you and your wife do, uh, and just a little bit about some of your background, and then we can get into some some yeah. you know, some stories. Okay, so um, so what we do pretty simply is our our company is called Identity Exchange, and that's what we do. We our our premise is, and I, I think this is what the whole Bible is about. Actually, is that most of us are operating in a false sense of who we are, whatever you call that, false identity, shadow identity, imposter identity, whatever. Most of us are operating in that, even as Christians. And um, what the process that we're interested in is how do we move from the false self, the false identity, into the truth of who we've always been? We've always, it's not magic. It's not we're like getting it all of a sudden. It's who we've always been. It's who God knit together in our mother's womb. We're just, we're just actually not aware of it to the depth and its beauty. So is there a process um, and what's the process? Jesus is engaging in it all the time with people of calling a person from the false them to the true them. So that's basically what we do. And um, we, so the way it fits into my background is, so I, I grew up in Washington, D.C. Um, I, I was a police officer and then um, recruited in my late 20s, interviewed by the CIA and, and recruited by them. And over the basically this same kind of issue. They were interested in this issue, although back then I couldn't articulate it well and they had no idea what I was doing, but they liked it. And so my interaction with them, although I didn't work directly for them, um, 
caused me to leave the police department at, at kind of what their invitation of what they were doing in the world left the police department and went to grad school and then um, took a position overseas. And we left the United States to work in militant scenarios. And we, we lived overseas for about 26 years. In Islamic countries or predominantly Islamic yeah. countries. Yeah, Islamic countries, conflict zones. And um, that's where we really locked into really what is the good news of the kingdom like what yeah. is just the most astounding what jesus is is representing and authoring in our lives and so yeah and then came back in the u.s and we, we thought wow this works so well in conflict zones around the world what happens if we did it in a u.s city what would happen so that's what we started back in the u.s we came back in the u.s and started um identity exchange as a process with gangs and identity exchange as a process with corporate people and identity exchange with police officers. And it's really been, we've been doing that since 2017 and it's really just been astounding. I mean, we're still, it's just what happens when a person is unlocked into the truth of who they are, everything changes about them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, basically what we do <laughs> yeah it's it's a very high level that i i anyway we're going to get into it so i think one of the best ways to kind of get a snapshot of a little of the things that you've been talking about and teach on is um there was a podcast that was forwarded to me by i think you were talking to a youth group uh from what i recall and um and you told the story about um a military sort of a special ops military person that you came in to uh mm -hmm. contact with and right. sort of subsequently what happened as he was introduced to some of the ideas that that um you know that god can speak outside of the bible and other ideas mm -hmm. uh, so can you just kind of share a little bit about that that story and then we can launch from there into some of the stuff yeah. that we so that was it so that incident was um yeah, that I was speaking. I was speaking in Washington D.C., and we were speaking on the topic of um, ways to influence the Islamic world in positive ways. And and I was specifically talking about um, the role of the gospel in foreign policy and the role of the gospel and the kingdom of God in um, dealing with militant organizations and groups. And so when I finished pres my presentation, this guy walks up to me who's he's he's probably 15 years younger than me and he um he walks up to me he was in the group that had been invited so i knew he was a, some some sort of you know government or some sort of military person and he says to me he he's he says how, how do we know that you're the real deal how do i know that you're the real deal and I said, I asked him, what does that mean? And he said, well, anyone can stand up here and tell stories. We don't know who you are. We don't know the veracity of what you're saying. How do we know that what you're saying is real? And I had been talking about hearing from God, how hearing from God is an important component in developing any kind of strategy, whether it's foreign policy or business, that hearing from God is what's significant and unique about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is that he speaks, mm -hmm. right? And so that's what I've been talking about. And so this guy's like, you're telling these stories about God speaking. How do we know it's true? And you're the real deal. And I said, well, the only way you'd know is if you came with me and we experienced it together. I can't convince you by telling stories to you. So let's go come with me in a place where I'm afraid, a place that I don't like to go because it's hard. Um, come with me there and let's see what happens. 
And so he, he agreed and um, it was a big deal for, for who he actually is. He's a very highly placed counterintelligence guy. And so for him to go into a foreign country is, is the country that he goes into, if, he, if, he's not, if the country's not notified, it's considered an act of war that he's there. I mean, that's the kind of level of person he was yeah. professionally. And he's a PhD, and, but he's a Marine Corps officer and all this kind of thing. So highly, highly trained and skilled. And he, he it, it, you know, it turns out he was really wealthy because of how well he does his job. He speaks multiple languages, all of this. Um, and I, I was- he is, a, he is a Jason, like, I think you referred to him as yeah, like a Jason I, I call him the Jason Bourne guy. Like, if, like he's the guy Jason Bourne characters are built from. He is yeah. that, he's super smart. He's, he's incredibly well-trained. He's a small arms expert. He's a martial arts expert, but he has a PhD in philosophy or something like that. I, I've st I'm, I'm, we've been friends for a long time. I still don't know everything that guy can do. Is, he, comes up, he can speak languages all of a sudden. You know, I'm like, I didn't know you spoke that language. And he said, well, I've never had to speak it in front of you. <laughs> anyway, so he comes with me. So we go to this project. Um, in the Sahara Desert to work in this situation in the Sahara Desert. And um, so it's a, it's a complicated how you have to get there. We have to fly, to fly to Rome and then down to Algiers and then the Algerian military flies down into the desert and then they drop us off in the desert and we have to get this car that takes us out into the night and dropped off. And then this, these Sahrawi um, um, Muslims come out of the desert, they're desert people and they take us into their camp. Um, and so, um, so we go into the camp and I have, I've been there before, I've worked there before and I was telling him, and we, it was three of us that went into this camp, me, him and a Pentagon Navy commander. The three of us go into this camp and I'm telling the other two guys, we're gonna go in and we have to go in at night be, I mean, because it's so hot, it's easier for the planes to get us down there at night when it's less heat and less fuel and all this. So we have to go in at night, they'll receive us at night. We have to follow them through the dark into the camp. And when we get into the camp, they're gonna put us in a tent, you know, a gigantic Bedouin tent, it's like an apartment building. They're gonna put us in a tent, we're gonna sleep, we're gonna get up the next morning. And when we get up the next morning, they're gonna have set a place for us to eat in the next room of the tent on the ground. And you eat by yourself, that's their custom. And when we're done eating, they'll come in, the leaders will come in. So we do that, we get there. And um, we get up the next morning and we go to sit down and there's, there's three of us and there's four places. And so he, we'll call him Jason. Jason Bourne says to me, why are there four? This is how, he, this is how his mind works. He analyzes everything all the time. He's surveying the scene, you know, all that. He says, why are there four places? Are there, is another person coming in here? Why are there four places? And I said, I don't know. I've, they've never said an extra place. I don't know why they're doing that. I don't know. I don't really care. And so each meal, they would have this extra place. Every time we went along, it's their custom not to watch you while it's considered impolite if they watch you eat. So they let us eat by ourselves and then they come in. So every meal we go to, there's this extra plate. So, and it's driving him crazy. And we're, what we're doing is we're, we're trying to um, let them help us help them with security and things rather than some kind some outside terrorist organization because they're a refugee population and it's a greenhouse for terrorism and so we're trying to preempt anyone any terrorist group coming in there and setting up um, a terrorist organization that's our goal 
So he, we're doing that and we're meeting it with the, with the imams of the community, the Muslim leaders of the community. And they're hostile to the U.S. because the U.S. foreign policy supports Morocco and these guys were kicked out by Morocco. And so it's very tense. It's a tense scenario. Um, so we're, we're in a meeting one evening and, and Jason Bourne says to me, uh, I'm going to ask him about the extra plate. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So then all of a sudden, Jason Bourne can speak Hassaniya, which is the language they spoke. And he switches into Hassaniya. And I'm like, I didn't know you knew Hassaniya. And he goes, I never, you didn't let me ever talk to him yet. So he speaks Hassaniya and he says to them, he asks them, can I, he's super respectful to him. He says, can I, can I ask a question? Why, how, why is it that you set an extra place every time we're together? Is it a custom? Is like, what do you do? And they and they're confused by his question. And they said, it be, we set a place for each of your team. And Jason Bourne, he looks at me and he's he's like, what? He said, there's only there's three there's only three of us on our team. And they said, no, we know there's three of you here, but your security guy outside. We doesn't he eat? We set a place for your security guy. And um, Jason Bourne looks at me and he goes, who are they talking about? Well, but when they said that, like I understood because we've had this similar thing happen in other countries. But, um, and, I, and I said, I don't know, ask him about it. And so he, he, said, he asked him, he said, what, you know, I think he said something like, what does he look like? Or is he in here now? And then the, the, the Sahrawi guys realized we couldn't see the person, the, the, whoever the security guy was. And so they said, he's outside, he's standing outside. He stays up all night outside your tent while you sleep. Isn't that your security guy? Um, and he's very, you know, very vigilant standing out there watching over you. And so um, Jason Bourne says, says um, yeah, is he out there now? And then they realize we can't see the security guy, the, the imams. And so they start using the word malaikat, which is the word for angel. They kept saying, oh, it's malaikat Allah. It's an angel of God. Your security guy is an angel of God. And, and we, like, it was super, I mean, for me, it was like, yep, that's what that is. That's how God does these things. It gives us credibility with the Muslims, and it also helps us know we're protected because we're unarmed and we're in a very hostile situation. These guys wanted to kill us at one point at another time, but, and so, so Jason Bourne, super, he's never experienced it. He's a Christian. He's never experienced anything like this. And he says, can you describe the guy to our security guy to us? And they say, yeah, he looks like you, like ethnically, he looks like you, but he's, he's bigger than all three of you. And we wanted to ask you a question about him. Why does he have a sword? Why does your security guy carry a sword? And then we were like, our security guy has a sword. We were like, that is awesome. Our security guy has a sword. <laughs> the Muslim tribal guys loved it because they, it was like he was some kind of, you know, warrior that our security guy had a sword. So, so we were all like moved by that. And then the, the Sahari, we then it went out among, you know, all the camps that the guy, the security guy you see with him is not, it's a it's a angel from God is their security guy. Um, so that happened and that had all kinds of effect later on. But that night, so that at the end of that whole session, we go back to our part of the tent and you know we're out in the middle of the desert. It's pitch black and and um, 
the Jason Bourne guy, he's, I can't even see him. It's so dark in our tent. And he's, he yells to me, he whispers to me, he doesn't, he whispers to me, he says, he always calls me, sir. He says, sir. He said, how many people do you, how many people are in this room that we can't see? I said, I don't know, dude, I don't know. And he said, <clears throat> he said, I can't hear God. This is his whole reason. This is a whole reason he wanted to come with me is he wanted to see if, if, if the faith that we claim to have is authentic. And if it is, then he wants to know in that authentic faith, why can't he hear God speak to him? Yeah. That was his question. And, but he, he would not ask me this question unless he's convinced that I'm not just a speaker. Yeah. I'm not just a talker about, you know, this stuff. He wanted to see like, what are you the real deal? Is this on the ground, real stuff? It really works. It affects people that aren't believers, all that kind of thing in your vocation. And so he's then, so now he's ready to ask me his main question, which is his most guarded question. And he says, I can't hear God. Why can't I hear God? And I said to him, what are you asking God? What do you want? What are you asking God about? And he said, I want to know why we can't have children. And I was so moved when he said that because, okay, here's the place where his faith is failing, you know, where he's, it's breaking down on him. And this guy is so committed to, to God. He's never drank. He's never smoked. He's a defender of the U.S., you know, kind of thing. He's so, he's so committed to God, but he, he has no relationship with God at the level of his deepest pain. Mm. I think a lot of us are like that. It's more talk. And so he said, I want to know why I can't have kids. My wife and I, we can't have kids. We're healthy. You know, no, we just aren't able to produce children. And I said, okay, God doesn't answer why questions. I said, you're a soldier. You understand if your leader gives you an order, you don't ask him why you ask him questions about the order, but you don't ask him why. And he said, that's correct. I said, so God doesn't answer why questions but he will tell you what he wants you to know about things. So don't ask him why, ask him, what do you want me to know about having kids? What do you want me to know about hearing from you? Ask him that question, just do it now. And so he's quiet for a while. And then all he says to me that night is, okay, I'm in. Like he, all of a sudden he had access to the God who speaks and then he didn't say anything else. And so later he told me, that what God said to him that night was the reason that you can't have kids or it's being withheld is because your wife is going to get her identity from your children. She, she's going to try and get her identity from kids. And I don't want that. I want her to get her identity from me and then talk to me about kids. So his wife's a pretty well-known forensic psychologist. So he, we do our thing. He fly, we fly home. He tell he sits down with his wife and he says, I think, I'm worried that we're trying to get our identity from our kids and that's the hindrance. And she just burst into tears. She goes, how do you know that? Like, how do you, like she said, I think you're right. How did you know that? Mm. And he said, I think God said it to me in the desert. And so they worked on that. Where are we getting, they didn't even know what that meant. Where are we getting our identity from? We're, we're Christians, but where do we get our identity from? Do we get it from Christianity? Do we get it from our vocation? And so then, you know, then we helped them through that process. And they worked through it and it was really beautiful. And they have today, they have four, they have four kids. And, um, and so it was, it was the most moving experience of his life. So then what he started doing then was like training his teams how to hear from God, hmm. which, which got him promoted. It made him more successful in what he's doing overseas and all the things. I don't know everything he does. 
Um, but so he, he when he, he when he and I are working on something together, which we've done more of to you know we're working on things for the U.S. or whatever together. His thing always to me is, um, we have to hear God speak on this before we move. We have hmm. to have a sense of what God is doing because what we're going to do as just humans is self-protect and self-promote. That's mm -hmm. what we're going to end up doing, self-protecting and self-promoting in some form or fashion. Yeah, I so think that's, the, that's him. Yeah, I think the key, one of the key things is that the, the questions, you know, I've heard of, I, you know, I've been around hearing the voice of God for a long time. Right. And, and I think that I have never had more clarity on hearing the voice of God with the two questions that you shared. You shared one of them. Can you kind of piggyback them for a minute, if you don't mind? Yeah. So that so we we so as we were working through this over years of being overseas and and we were you know I wanted to be clear that as we were like working through this we failed so many times because we didn't realize how much we depended on just our own way of thinking that mm. you, that you learn from the world we'll call it we call it learning from the lie we're learning from a lie our stuff we're even learning about Christianity from a lie and so. Um, so we, so when we would get in situations, they didn't work. It didn't work. Like and, mm. and to, for, for Christians to say this, something doesn't work is almost impossible for Christians to say, we won't tell the truth. No, that's the truth. And, and that is the God honest truth. <laughs> so, and so we realized, we realized if we're not going to tell the truth about the fact that this does not work. And so then we were talking about, you know, believers have been in the Muslim world for 1400 years. We've had very little impact. And mostly we've had wars with them. Like mm -hmm. that's the truth of what's happened. Um, and so we truth tell, and then we can talk about that process. But then, um, so we, were, we kept like, we would try something and then we would go back into the scriptures, not for theology, for practical, what are these people doing? Like, what is Jesus doing when he talks to the Samaritan woman? Why, how did he, no one would have, if you're gonna start a movement among a patriarchal society that's your enemy, which is what Jesus is getting ready to do, you would never pick a woman to talk to. Mm -hmm. It's a patriarchal society. Why would you pick a woman as your inside operative? Mm -hmm. And a bad woman at, the, at that. Like it's the worst decision or it's the most genius decision ever. Right. So how does he know to do that? How does he know how to like her? We need her. Because if, you're, if he was with strategists thinking about how do we get inside Samaritan culture and make them an ally, they would have never come up with that. So we kept the, what is, how does Jesus know what to do? And so, and that's what he wants the disciples to ask him. He wants the disciples to ask him, ask me how I know to talk to her and not them. Mm -hmm. Ask me how I know what to say to her. Um, ask me that. Don't ask me what to do. Ask me how to know what to do. That was what Jesus was. We're just, tell, tell me what to do, God. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. No. Tell me what to know. Yeah, that, that's, it, remind, it reminds me of the Moses scripture saying that he revealed his, um, oh gosh, I'm going to botch it. But basically the idea was that he revealed his ways. He revealed like the backs. I'm going to paraphrase it. Okay. He revealed the backstory to Moses right. where he kind of showed his deeds to the people. That's the right. people saw the deeds, but right. Moses knew why. Right. No, Moses knew the backstory. Moses knew sort of the thoughts of God about it. Right. And I think that's what would really has been helpful for me yes. is that the, the two questions has been 
what do you want me to know about this situation? And what do you want me to do? And then what you want, yeah. What do you want me then, to do first? Yeah. Yeah. Then what do you want me to do? Right. Yeah. And, so and I, that question in Acts is like the Acts believers, when they came under persecution, they didn't pray, God, deliver us from persecution. We're going to start an organization to stop Christian persecution in the world. They didn't do any of that stuff. That's all self-protection. What they wanted, what they said was, what do you want us to know about the situation we're in? And then once we know that, what do you want us to do? So uh, the definition for obedience, the Hebrew word for obedience is to hear and respond. That's the word obedience, to hear and respond. It's not what to do. It's what to hear. Yeah. So, so in the Hebrew mindset, if you're going to do something that God told you, you have to hear what he said first. Mm. We just made it into following rules and procedures, but it means to hear and respond appropriately. So the Acts believers were saying that their very first thing was, we're only going to define this as persecution and bad if we're just telling ourselves what's going on. But mm -hmm. if God tells us what's going on, we may thank him for this. <laughs> we may yeah. say this is the greatest thing. So first, what do you want us to know? And then what do you want us to do? And so Jesus says this, I only do what I see the father doing. I only say the words of the father he's hearing and doing. That's what Jesus is modeling as a human. How does a human walk around in this broken world? By hearing what the father says and doing what they see the father doing. So let's talk about, let's talk about what I would call bad filters. They're bad filters, all right? So you got you got um, headphones, they're plugged up into heaven, and it's like crackly, right? It's just like, I think maybe, I don't know. I'm hearing a lot of noise. And the, so the, the point in the story that you said was that God was concerned about the wife's source of identity. Right. And so here, here's what I want to ask, and that is... In, <laughs> I'm going to get right to it. Like from an identity standpoint, a lot of times when people talk about identity, it's sort of like, so it's all me focused now. It's all about me. It's all about my identity. And it's not me, you know, you know, throwing myself before God as a living sacrifice and, and serving humanity and going on the mission. It's now pop psychology and it's all about me. Right. But yet you got a whole thing about identity. So I guess my core question is, what's so important about identity? Don't aren't we just supposed to die and disappear and become sort of whatever magic angel people that do good things? Right. Yeah. So that's a great question. That's a, such a good question. So again, when we were so when we would be so when I was a cop all the way back, when I'm talking to a kid that's 14, that's committed his first homicide. When I'm with that kid and I'm like, did, did you want to kill? Are you, did you find joy in killing someone? No, I hated it. How do you feel that you killed someone? I feel bad that I did it. Okay, then what made you do it? My identity as a gang member. My identity as a member of this community. And so, so you're getting your identity from the gang, right? Yes, that's how important identity is. What identity do you have apart from the gang? None. Mm. what's your life apart from the gang powerless and alone so we join gangs and clubs and political parties and churches because we humans are terrified with the belief that we're powerless and alone 
untrue, untrue, untrue. But this is the lie we live in all the time. And so what's the goal of the humanity, whether you're a believer, is to gain power and control. And we use God to get power and control because we believe the lie that we're in a world that's built on scarcity and separation. That's what we believe. 100% believe it. So, so what's the point of identity? So if I don't get my identity from this, I am absolutely free to be the identity that God knit together in my mother's womb. So, so then the key is what is that identity? So all the way back to the beginning, Genesis, God creates Adam and Eve. He gives them identity. He's the one that tells them who they are. Mm. And because they know who they are, they know what to do. Because it's being informs doing. I've being heard informs that. doing all the time. So I don't have to really ask a person what they think about themselves. I can just watch them and I can listen to them talk. Everything that's coming out of their mouth comes from their sense of identity. So when they're constantly talking about, well, this is what we've done to become successful. And these are the five steps that we've done to, to, to be debt free. Uh, so it's all about self-protection and self-promotion. Is that what you're saying? Self-protection and self-promotion. Then your identity is false. This is why you've upset me. I know <laughs> that right there, that whatever that is, you're just, oh, it's all about this then. You're like, that's right. Stop. <laughs> so, so my question is, if I took all of this away from you, all of it, what are you, what are you then? And, and, and really, honestly, if I took Christianity away from you, what are you without that? You're, I'm, I don't know what, I don't have no idea what I am. So if I ask a person, tell me who you are, I do this all the time with people. Tell me who you are. Well, I'm a Christian. Team name, gang name. That's a name of a gang. And you wear those gang colors around and you're so proud of them. And you want that gang to run the United States, don't you? You want that gang to run the world, don't you? How are you going to do it, military? That's a gang. We're going to run the court. We're going to own the Supreme Court. Gang mentality. It's conflict. It produces conflict. It's built on conflict. It is nothing like what Jesus is doing. It's the opposite of what he's doing. And so, um, so, but, but the true identity doesn't need any of that. It doesn't need, it's free of all, it, and it takes away fear. It takes away guilt and shame. And so Adam and Eve know their identity. And in their identity, they, what they do is protect the world and manage the world and steward the world and reproduce. And this is the one thing you never do, never separate. Never, never, ever separate from each other. Don't separate from yourself and do not separate from God. The greatest tragedy in humanity is any idea that's built on the policy of separation that's that's the crime and the word separation is the word sin sin is not a moral failure sin is the idea of separating from god's self or others that's why the great commandment is love god's self and others the greatest failure is to separate from god yourself or others so what does the enemy do when he comes to eve he makes her question the identity of God and the identity of herself. That's all he's doing. And this is what he says. What kind of a God puts that in front of you and doesn't give it to you? What kind of God does that? And why would that God do it? And her answer is, I guess I'm not enough for God to give that to me. I guess I didn't. I don't know. He's withholding something from me. Why would he do that? I guess I'm, I don't know. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not. So what are you going to do about that? I'm going to self-protect. The, the thought that God might be not as nice as you think, 
or you're not worth, you're not worthy of God, like giving you all things or whatever, produces in her, not pride, fear. Mm. And pride is the secondary emotion out of fear. You show me a proud person, I'll show you a fearful person. Yeah. A person who's not afraid doesn't have to be proud. They're mm. just confident. So, so, she, so she decides, wow, in this now scarcity world, it's not a world where God's like, it's all yours, take it. It's all yours. Don't separate. It's all yours. Don't separate. She's now looking at the world like, wow, this world is not all mine. And it's a scarcity model. And things, things are going to be withheld from me. And the only way I'm going to get them is if I take them. Mm-hmm. Now she has the modern business viewpoint. <laughs> Right. And no, hundred percent. Right. And so she, so she, so in order to do that, she has separated from God. She's absolutely separated from herself and, and she's actually separating from Adam creation, all of it. And she's separating. And then she has to separate before she can do the wrong thing. Separation. Then comes the law breaking, but it starts in her sense of herself and God. Right. And so you can, and so, what does God do in that? He comes right back to her. He, you know, he's, he's like, here's one thing. I will never separate from you. You can and will separate from me. I will never separate from you, even when you think you're separate. So she separates. And what does God do with a person who willingly separates from him? He goes and finds him. It is like the most beautiful story possible. What can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus? nothing Hmm. no created thing my sin is my created thing nothing can separate you from the love of god in christ jesus if you think something does you believe a lie Uh, i'm gonna gonna, i want to interrupt right here because going after the going after the question about why is it any so important i think part of what the answer is is it is the the center of the separation or the, the crux of where separation occurs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And no, and no one talks about it. What they talk about is we got to stop looking at pornography. We've got to stop abortion in the United States. It's like, that's what false identities do. That's not how you stop it. You stop it by stop living in the false identity. Right? So, so, when people come to me and say, like, I really struggle with pornography, the first thing I say is that's not an identity. That mm-hmm. is not an identity. That is the result of a false identity. The problem is you don't know who you really are. If you knew who you really were, pornography would not be of interest to you. Pornography yeah. is of interest to a person who doesn't know who they are, and they're looking for a place to cope with the lostness of, I don't know who I am. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's a coping mechanism. We have zillion there's nothing any different from a guy who spends every day in the gym trying to make himself look amazing to a guy hooked on pornography. It's just like, this one's more acceptable, but this dude's just as messed up or the guy that's making $10 million at some company. Why? Because I'm going to prove to the world that I'm good enough. Why? Because I don't think I am. Mm -hmm. And so we reward this guy. We honor this guy. It's, it's a lie. He's in a lie, but we all want to be like him though. We want to be wealthy Christian business people. Like that's God's highest thing. And like, it, those are not identities. Hmm. Here, so, so watch, watch God and watch Jesus talk to people in their true identity. I mean, it's, you, you can follow it all the way through scripture. So the identity of Moses is deliverer. 
The true identity, the true identity is always, always other focused, self-emptying, unconditional love for your enemy. The true identity is always has those qualities. How do we know? Let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus yeah. in his true identity. He emptied himself. For who? His enemies, us. So the true identity moves. It's so beautiful to watch a person move into who they really are. They immediately become other focused. It's not about me anymore. Why? Because the true identity looks at the other. Always. The false identity always looks at myself. So let me, let me, let's make it personal. So, um, so for, for you, right. So you, you are seminary educated. You were, you were, uh, you were, you know, distinguished police officer. You've been approached by the government. You are educated. You are willing to sacrifice. You're, you know, you're doing all the right Christian things and all this stuff, mm -hmm. but still not truly walking in your true identity oh. until like later in life. Right. What may, what, what was the big deal for you? What made a difference for you? What, why wasn't the other way good enough? You know? <laughs> so it, it always takes another person, right? It's, you have to be connected to another human. I mean, we can't do God made it. So God is never alone. God's always in relationship, father, son, and Holy spirit. God is not some distant God. That's usually alone. God's always in relationship. God only, God only knows himself in relationship. Yeah. Any any strategy that produces separation of any sort is not of God. So yeah. I, so I'm in my career, um, and I'm I was really good at what I do. My challenge was I always what I believed about myself, and I couldn't say it. I could just feel it, but I wouldn't even. I like I'm saying, it, everything depends on truth telling. You shall know the truth. You shall know and experience the truth. Know and experience the truth, and the truth will set you free. Foundational principle. God only can work with truth. He can't work with false. Right. He can't work with false people. He can't work with false because they're not there, actually. Yeah. So there you go. Right. So I'm in my career as officer of the year. I make detective, all that stuff, get approached by the CIA, all that's going on. But deep down inside of me, there's this deep sense of I'm a disappointment. Hmm. My drive to excellence is the belief that I'm a disappointment. And you're trying to prove it otherwise. And I'm do, yeah, but I didn't know how to articulate. I'm getting these awards, but here, but this is what we're always looking for. What, what coping mechanisms are you using in your pursuit of this? What are your coping mechanisms? Like, what are you doing in the alone, quiet time? Hmm. Like, are you resting in the love of Christ? And this is all joy motivated. Great. If that's, but usually... <laughs> So mine was alcohol, hmm. right? Just drinking with the cops, you know, and all that stuff. But it was like, it was a big relief to me to, to get rid of that. I didn't want to think deep about like what's going on inside of me. I didn't, none of the guys I worked with wanted to. Yeah. We didn't want to talk about broken world and our marriages are awful. And we didn't want to talk about any of that stuff. You know, we're the good guys. We're locking up the bad guys. Let's go, let's go drink. And so that was my coping mechanism and religion and religion. Mm. go to church on a Wednesday night, I can say the prayers and okay, it's all okay, but it's all kind of surface level. And so, and I, and it was okay, you know, went overseas and I overseas, you know, I could always find a place like there's, you know, there's always alcohol somewhere. And I was working with one of the, 
a guy I just absolutely revered. I'd heard about him. I may, I finally found him and made contact with him overseas. And he's a legend working in the Muslim world. And I met with him and I begged him to train me. And so by then I, you know, like you said, I was five years on the field by then. I mean, I was way into my vocation. Yeah. I was good at it, but, but off, but like, I'm like, everyone's off. So big deal. You know, we always right. have doubt and we always struggle like that kind of stuff. All false. Yeah. And so he, I'm with him and he's watching me. He finally agrees to train me. He doesn't want to, but he finally agrees to, and he's training me. And one day he just, while he's watching me and he goes, you don't know who you are, do you? Like, so he's, he's want, he's going to make me tell the truth, but he's watching me. He goes, you don't know who you are, do you? And I said, yes, I do. I do. Like, how can you say, I don't know who I am. I look at my career. I know who yeah. I am. He goes, yeah. no, you don't know who you are. And I said, how do you know? And he said, because you're imitating me. Mm-hmm. He said, you're imitating me, which means you're imitating other people. He said, I'm already here. We don't need me. I'm already here. We need the real you, but we don't know who the real you is and neither do you. So let me, I'm going to insert myself right here. Yeah. False identities love heroes. I've been a guy. I love heroes. My God, you look freaking awesome. What, what shoes are you wearing? How are you saying that? What are you, where'd you go to school? We love heroes and we will absolutely mimic them preach like them, teach like them, talk like them, because we're like, well, what the hell is going on here? I have no idea, but you look great and you've got great results, right? right? Yes. I mean, to me, that's like a, like a, hey, if you are a hero worshiper on the down low, you know, because yeah. <laughs> then you may be dealing with a false identity. So I just have right. to put that in because I, it sounds like that's where you're like, you've got it going on. You, you're right. fruitful. You're doing what I want to do. Right. The, the, the chat, the, that's a great statement because we did a thing two weeks ago on what's the difference between a hero and a saint. Cause the Bible's not filled with heroes. They don't use that word. They use, they use the word saint and it's always in the plural saints. There's never one yes. saint. It's always a community. And what is the goal of the saint to die? to die the goal of the hero is to live yes and to, everyone looks at the hero the saints don't so yeah you're exactly right we we need to be saints not heroes but we worship hero culture oh my gosh we worship heroes we love heroes yeah and it, it's interesting um yeah very a very good point so so why because we're growing up in the lie that you in your own identity is enough we don't believe it. it's not true. We say it all the time, but we don't believe it um, because our the lie that we live in. So if, if I go to church, you know, and I'm in the church and the pastor says something like, oh, are you know, are you sharing your faith regularly there? Here it comes. Here comes the measurement stick. Yeah. An identity doesn't measure itself. It doesn't. An identity just is who it is. That's why God's not when. Moses says, who are you? He doesn't say, I do that I do. Yeah, amen. I am that I am. That's what I am. Well, who, who's that going to impress? Nobody. The fact that you just are the self-existent one. We, what do you do? Like, yeah. that's right. And so. The, yeah, I'm I, sorry. I, so back to the, the story about the guy, because I kind of know, I think I've heard a little bit of this, yeah. is that you. So he basically says, you don't know who you are. And you're like, yeah, and well, you're imitating me. And then what is it? What happens? What is so it? Then he, he says, we need to know who you are because then we'll know what you do. Mm. 
We don't know what you do because we don't know who you are being mm-hmm. informed doing. And so they sent me to this other guy. And we were also talking about this before we started. How long does it take to discover your true identity? Right? It's already there. It's already present. It, what, what it takes is confession first. This is the secret to it all. You have to tell the truth about what you really believe about yourself. Mm-hmm. What do you really believe about yourself? That's what God's inviting us into. Tell me the truth about what you believe about yourself. And, and so this guy, I go with him and he's like, he goes, let's, let's, um, I just, all I want to do is pray with you. He said, this won't take that long. Cause I was the same way. Like, is this going to take two years of discipleship? <laughs> like, what's this going to take? And he says, he goes, let's just pray with David prayed. Lord, would you search Jamie? You search Jamie and know him and you reveal to him things he believes about himself that aren't true, that offend you and lead him in the way everlasting. I've never, when I pray about, you know, help me to identify sin in my life. It's always like, did I smoke? Did I drink? Did I, you know, whatever bad picture? Did I not have a long enough? That's it's like the guy's like, no, 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 no. Let God tell you things that you believe about yourself that are not what he says. They're not true. And they offend the one that made you. I've never done that. And so I was like, okay, Lord, what do I believe about myself? And then you, but what do I believe about myself? That's not true. And I mean, as soon as I said that I started to cry and I just said, you are a disappointment. That's what my dad used to say. Mm-hmm. I could, and, and when you hear that when you're a kid or you're not enough or you're lazy or you know you think evil thoughts all the time when you hear that as a kid you have an option to agree or disagree with that statement but most of us agree like well that's kind of true then now it becomes a part of my identity mm. I am I am a disappointment right. and so what are you going to do as a disappointment you're either going to quit you only have two options I'm going to quit and be a disappointment which many people do, or I'm going to prove I'm not. Both, the enemy will take either one. Yeah. Either one takes you away from the truth. I am a disappointment. And then, and then once it started out of my mouth, it was like, well, let's just, and I'm afraid all the time. I, I live in fear. I'm trying to prove that I'm not afraid by doing all these risky assignments. Why am I doing that? Because I'm afraid. That's why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it out of joy. I'm not doing it out of love. I'm doing it to prove to myself I'm not afraid. I know lots of guys in special forces like this. Oh boy. It's deadly. That's why they come home and kill themselves. Because mm. it's all not true. Mm. And everyone honors them. Oh, there they are, the special forces guys. But it, but then they go shoot themselves and like, wow, what's wrong with these guys? We don't get what's wrong. Because it's not an identity. It's yeah. not an identity. And so I just so I just emptied out, confessed. I just told the truth. This is what I actually believe about myself. And I hate when I look in the mirror and I I hate the way I sound when I talk. Like it's this, it's this sense of, you know, I don't like, I do not receive what you made. And that's an insult to God mm. who loves you and made you, he, he knows who you are. And the, it'll, he knows that it'll astound you who you are if you will be who he made you to be. But only, you can only do that by him telling you who that is. You know, I, I, I want to stop. It, there's a scripture in Hebrews um, that says, um, you know, be careful if you tread up, um, you, uh, you tread upon the, the blood of Jesus, like, are you treated as an unholy thing? That's right. And, um, it's a very kind of like strong scripture, right? Yeah. Like do not treat the blood of Christ as an unholy thing. 
Right. And, and we like, what I love about what you're, the story you're sharing is that there is this sort of like truth of the holiness of God and the offense, but it's not in a disappointed offense. It's in a, I'm holy. I make good things. You're a good thing. And to say to me, it's bad. It's awful. It's evil. I'm to say to the blood of Christ, I'm guilty. I'm awful. I'm terrible. I'm the worst. And the blood of Christ is on you. It's like, you better be careful. Right. <laughs> you know, the blood of Christ and what he did and God himself is holy. Right. And we, we take on that sort of, I'm terrible. I'm awful. I'm all the, and we think we're not offending God or, and it's like the level of like, it's just, I don't, I probably am not articulating it right, but it's different. <laughs> we, we did this the other day. We had, we had, I don't know, 25, um, believers you know and we had them in a room and we were talking we're doing this we're doing an eight-week series with them we call it equip but we're doing the issue of forgiveness and so they're believers i mean they they get we know if we confess our sins he's faithful and just forgive us our sins and cleanses them all they know all that stuff and we're so but so next week we're going to do what it means to forgive others which is very different than what we think but so we were talking about what does it mean to you live in forgiveness what does it mean for me to live in forgiveness with god and so we were, you know, working through passages of scripture and talking about it. And they're like, yeah, we know we get this. We, we know, we know we're forgiven. And so I said, okay, so let's test that. Let's see if you really believe this stuff. <laughs> see, like, stop. this is, are you the real deal? Like, are yeah. you telling the truth? So here's the exercise. We did this exercise together. We had tables, you know, we had our guys at each, our people at each table to lead it. Here's the prayer we prayed. Lord, search us and know us. We're always like, give God permission to tell you, not you tell him. Let him tell you. This is part of hearing God. Let God yeah. speak. Lord, Lord, tell me places in my life where I believe things about myself that offend you. And would you forgive me for believing these false things about myself? Oh, my. You should have seen those people react to that prayer. It just... They're like, yeah, I committed adultery 10 years ago. I'm forgiven. Yeah, but they're not talking about that. I'm talking about right now, the things you believe about yourself that are an insult to the one who designed you. And people started crying. Like you believe, we, God is inviting us into opportunities in our life. The false identity can't move with them. It won't. And it, it's why, because, well, I just, you know, I just think that's an unsafe scenario and, so what, do you, what does that mean you believe about yourself? I don't think, I'm not the, uh, I'm not worth, I'm not enough to, do, it's these, what, mm-hmm. say that to God, say that to one that made you. Like, and so people like live in, leave it, live in the, live in, let God cancel the effect forgiveness to cancel the effects of a wrong belief. Let God cancel the effects of you believing things about yourself that are not true. And man, when these are, we were, these are all public school teachers. How are you teaching kids how to forgive when you yourself, deep in your heart, don't even believe the truth about what God says about you? Well, the power of that is, you, and I've heard you say it in other settings in a podcast and YouTube and stuff. He's talking about you can't pass on what you don't have. Right. All the time we're doing it. We're like, well, we know what to do. So we just do it. Right. And the whole spirit of the action and a lot of the fruit of the action, it's like, you don't even right. believe Right. you're not even the thing it's just like a charade 
Right. See, so the true identity, the true identity, it's so amazing when we're walking people from false into true, that true identity immediately looks towards the other in compassion and forgiveness. It's remarkable. That's what the true you is all about, is other focus, self-emptying, unconditional love. That's, we are humans who God made, and Jesus is the model of what a real human looks like and does. The real you, the real you will cancel the negative effect of people's acts on you. It will cancel them immediately. Now, right? now I got us off track, which I'm great at doing, by the way, but I'll yeah. try to get us back. And that was your, you're yeah. there, you're yeah. confessing. You're, you're, it's all this stuff's getting revealed out of your heart, maybe to your surprise. Then what happens? Yeah, then, then so, so confession, repentance, transformation, confession, tell the truth. So telling you the truth is self-emptying. I'm emptying myself of all the things I believe about myself that aren't true. It's a, it's a, it's a sweeping the house clean, and I'm emptying. And then every interaction with God is always an exchange. It's always give away the false and let him give you the true. We give away the false, he gives us the true. Repentance then, confession is me telling the truth about what I believe, what I believe about God, what I believe about others, what I believe about myself. I'm telling the truth. God, I think you're not with me. I've never believed you've been with me. I've, I've talked about it, but I never really believe it. That's truth telling. God already knows you believe it. Why are you living the lie like you think pretending like you think he is you you don't so emptying out confession truth it, yeah it will bump up against your view of god being able to be that honest bumps up against your view of god like am i getting struck by lightning right now because that's the god i understand or whatever right. yeah right so we have from the very beginning of the bible here's what happens when you separate from god he comes to find you that's what he does so if i self-empty everything false i believe what's he going to do he's oh he's right there he's always been right there saying why don't you just tell the truth jamie why don't you just speak the truth? That's how he restores Peter. He just yeah. says, just tell the truth. And so when you tell the truth, when you confess, then you're open to hear him speak truth about who you are. That's, and it causes you to turn and change the way you think. That's repentance. None of this is involving apologies. None of it. It's truth tell leads to mind change. Confession leads to repentance. And then so I said, so the, my, the guy with me, he goes, now ask God what he calls you. Mm. What does he say about you? Now that you're empty of all the crap that gets in the way of you hearing, because mm. the false can't hear from God, it can't receive from God, it's afraid, mm. it's, it's shameful. So once that's out of the way, even for 30 seconds, ask God what he calls you. And I mean, it's like pulling wax out of your ears. God, what do you call me? And it's just like, tell me when we're praying with people, but for me, it was just this word like i just can see these words people are all people are different how god communicates to them and it's just the word warrior and and i just it made me cry even harder because he was saying to me you don't have to prove that you're brave you don't have to prove that you're not a disappointment you've always been a warrior just mm. be a warrior just enjoy it be a warrior enjoy it stop trying to prove it and it was just like oh my and i just cried with joy oh my gosh and he's just saying be a warrior don't do it be it and so and then i was just i've never been so thankful to know christ as i was right then because what you realize is how highly god thinks of us hmm. 
us, even when we are positive he doesn't, we let him down, how highly he thinks of us. And then his thing is like, do not separate from this identity. Mm. And then you begin this journey in the true, and the true is an eternal, it's not a one and done. It's like just the beginning of this long walk with him, telling, reminding you who you are and telling you things about yourself that you don't believe. And when we do this with people, we'll say, like I did with a guy yesterday, and we, we walked through identity and he was weeping. And he looks at me and he said, I've known this my whole life. I'm like, of course you have. Yeah. You think this is magic right now? This is what you've been since the day God gave you life. Whether you were an atheist, it doesn't matter. And, and the beauty of meeting Jesus is discovering truth, the truth of who you are, the truth of who he is. Those aren't Muslims. Those are, those are people who ha don't have an identity and they're finding it in Islam. These are people who are, don't have it and are finding it in evangelicalism. That's all it is. Walk them into the truth then and the rest of this fades away. It fades away. So, so immediately I'm thinking this. Uh, so I've been around a lot of this stuff for a long time. And a guy named Neil Anderson did a book called Bondage Breaker. Right. And in Bondage Breaker, it has a list of, I don't know, 35 plus I am statements. I am loved. I am a son. I am adopted. I am blah. I'm, and it's all scripture. Go to the scripture. That's what it says I am. Now, here's my question to you. Yeah. The Bible already says I'm 35 things or 40 or whatever the heck the list is. Yeah. Right. Why, why go all through this gymnastic stuff? Like, are, are we not those things? Are we now a special thing? Like, how does this all look and work? Right. Right. So that's a, that's a great question. So then, so the thing is, and so it, it, you can just do a study on the word name to God. The word name is huge to God. Mm. I call them, but he says it in Isaiah. Um, I have formed you. I have, I have, I have, I forget what it is. I've made you a Jacob. I have formed you, Israel. He switches the name for I've called you so that you will know that you are mine. The name is the identity, identity and security, Yad Vashem in Hebrew, identity and security or place are like the, 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 like the two things that God is, wants you to know who you are and know where that belongs. And so the, the distinctiveness of name, my sheep hear my voice because I call them by name. Yeah, Jonathan. When we're asking people, what in the middle of the night, what name would God speak that would wake you up? Hmm. Probably wouldn't do it, right? Or, or child of God. Like this is a blanket name and absolutely true for all of us collectively. Absolutely. But how are you distinct from all of that? How are you mm -hmm. distinct from child of God? You're a child of God. Yeah. You're redeemed. You're, yeah, you're, you're loved. Yeah. But here, what is, what does God say to, who are you? Why, why are you different than me? How are you, you know, workmanship of God created for great things? You're just a Christian. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. Go get it. Like, then why does, why, why does he go through this elaborate thing of making everything in the universe distinct from everything else? He's very big on this idea. <laughs> I don't want you to be part of a group name. Right. That's not the point. I want so when he comes to Gideon, it's like you are my mighty man of valor. Did he just become a mighty man of valor? Nope. You've been it the whole time. Then why are you high? This is this is how Jesus, the angel of the Lord, talks to us, or Jesus, or the Holy Spirit. He goes, "Here's my question for you. I love how he does this. 
Why is my mighty man of valor hiding in a cave? That's the stark question. It's like, so he, so he called, so my identity in the kingdom is untire of knots. It's from a verse in Mark. I can go back in my whole career and tell you the reason I was so good at this job was because that is in fact what I was doing. Hmm. My whole life, that's what I've been doing. I didn't know it, but the true identity is always who it is and it moves towards what it does. The jobs where I've been fired or failed didn't involve that. It was me trying to do some other thing that I, my identity yeah. wasn't made to do. So, so the distinct name, the distinct is like, is like, if Jesus sat with you and you looked at Jesus and said, tell me the truth about who I am, he would not go, you're a child of God. Hmm. He would talk to you. This is the beauty of him. He would talk to you and he would say things about you that would speak right to your deepest doubt. Yeah. You so just, that, it's a man. It's so, <laughs> this is so good. This is really good. But you're, you're highlighting something that I want to really wanted to get in on. And that is, you talked about God revealing to you your identity as a warrior. Talked about God revealing your identity as a tie, untire of knots. Mm-hmm. Um, are these, how do they, like, do we have multiple identities from God? Do we have a single identity from God? Is yeah. it sort of a progressive identity? <laughs> you know, you start here, you go here. It's, yeah. it's all in. I'm just your thoughts on that idea. Yeah, so here's the thing about God, you know, and this is this is the difference between God's worldview and our worldview. So in our worldview, because it's built on scarcity and separation. So in a scarcity mentality that we are all raised in, all humans are raised in it, is the belief then that we have to be certain about things. So in a scarcity worldview, you need to be certain about what you're doing because you might miss it, mm-hmm. which leads to perfectionism. Yeah which leads to self-interest. So in the certainty mindset is like, I got to know the formula for this thing to scale. Like who, who scaled it? Okay, what are the five things they did so I can do that to get to and be yeah. that person? So in just especially with the disciples and Jesus, Jesus is so mysterious to them, they can't nail him down into a formula. Like mm. they, they want to, but they can't. So when you talk about identity, if 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 i said to god what is the like what is my identity his thing is like it is so incredible you'll be exploring it the rest of your life so is it one thing yeah is it is it multiple things does it progress change yeah because there's like so many oh i'm sorry i I, i'm sitting here where i'll say yeah 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 this is the audio podcast too he's is it one thing he shook his head no is it multiple things he shook his head yes so so it's like the disciples asking god about uh, asking jesus about the kingdom they're quite they're like is the kingdom like present tense or future and jesus's answer is yes Mm -hmm. is the kingdom is the king inside of me or outside of me? Yes. Mm-hmm. So is my identity like one thing or multiple things? Yes. Is it progressive or is it like they're one distinct thing now? Yeah, it's all, It's like, it's so beautiful. And the word is mystery. The kingdom of God, nothing in our universe is certain. Not There is nothing is certain. Anything that we think we know as humans, we know a little tiny piece of it. And anyone that'll tell the truth, like the rest is mystery. So if I ask my neurology neurologist friend, what do we know about the brain? He's like, we know a little tiny bit. What's the what about the rest of it? Mystery. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's okay because that's the truth. 
Life is mystery. If you want to make life certain, you're living in a lie and it'll disappoint you every time and frustrate you trying to, you want to, right? So the, your identity is mystery and beauty, but mysteries can be solved. Mysteries, there's answers and it leads to more mystery. And this is what humans actually love. They love it. It's like a cereal that you're watching and you get to that and like, oh, wow. Oh my gosh, there's more. And you continue. That's what makes the human transcend is the constant mystery and God's invitation to pursue the mystery because you'll learn it as you go and there's answers. Just imagine one more thing. Imagine God walking Adam and Eve around the garden and he's saying, this is all for you. It's all yours. You don't earn it. I'm giving it to you. I want you to understand this about me. I am, a, I am initiating this blessing on your behalf. Don't ever think I'm against you. I'm not with you. I'm mad at you. I am for you. I am with you. I am in you. I am on your team. I'm about life. I'm not an accuser. I'm not a shame thrower. Don't believe any of that stuff. And he's pointing. He's like, see that? Adam, I want you to name all this. What do you, There's naming right away name. What do you call that tree? Okay, that tree right there. What you see right now, that thing has levels to explore that will that you will explore the, for into eternity. Because when you cut that tree open, there's another whole universe inside of it. Explore it. Find it. If, see that light in the sky there? Planet. Yeah. Figure out. You have the brain to get there. Yeah. Like, I know it, does, it seems impossible right now, but you're going to figure out how to get there. You're going to figure out what it's made of. Do it. It's a giant, beautiful mystery. You're inside of it. Enjoy it. And love it, enjoy it, manage it. Don't rape it. Don't get in a scarcity model with it. Don't exploit it for your own self-interest. Don't separate it into pieces. Love the whole thing. Love her, stay with her. Don't separate from her. Like stay together in this beautiful mystery and go explore it. And I'm right here with you. And if you have yeah. questions, ask me. Like it's that kind of thing. So what's, so then he's, he says, look at Eve. She's a different identity than you. It's a mystery. Fall in love with the mystery of who she is. Try and understand who she is for the rest of your life. And so I always tell people, you're married to a mystery. Yeah. It, when, when it becomes, when it becomes certainty and I got it and like, it's going to, it's going to die on you. It's mm. that person's a mystery. Understand them. They're going to be different. Understand them. What is a Muslim? They're different. They're a mystery. Like, so it's this beautiful, multi-level, amazing game. Play. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna read your scripture. That my my daughter sent this to me, and it's from. Uh, I actually have it up, so I can give a reference this time. It said, uh, "Well, maybe I can't." It's yeah, it's Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. It says, "The Lord our God has secrets known to no one. You are not accountable for them, <laughs> okay? But we and our children are accountable forever for all that He has revealed to us, Amen. so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions." And so this concept that there is mystery, but it's but there is part of the mystery that God reveals. Right. Yes. And, 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 and yeah. then that part of the mystery, you God says, yeah, that's yours. Let's there's a doing aspect. It's the what do what what do I need to understand and what do I need to do based on your understanding or revelation of this mystery? Right. Right. And I think the thing that 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 um initially frustrated me and a friend of mine we we listened to some of your stuff and we were just like okay let's get out our notes been kind of in this camp of identity and naming and wounds and all this other stuff we're like well i've got like six things i've got like six things god's tech told me like through many many years he's like 
well, I've got like four. I'm like, well, I'm, I got more than you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, I'm just teasing. You know, it's, uh, but we, we were like, well, it's not, a, it's not a single thing. Right. And, and, and then when I listened to some of your story, even today, you were talking about, well, I kind of like God revealed this to me and God revealed that to me. And, and so one of the things that just a quick testimony that God early on, when I st first started asking these questions, he would reveal stuff like you're my son. Right. But that was not just a generic thing for me. That was an extremely personal right. exactly. thing to me because yeah. of my upbringing and stuff like that. Right. And right. later on, he would reveal to me, similar to you, you're my warrior, right? And, and he would do it in different ways, you know? Right. And, 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 but ultimately it'd be like, you connect all these dots, it's warrior. <laughs> you know? It's like... And so, and so I think that that's, uh, that's a part of the piece that's important that, I, I mean, you, if you have any more to say about it, just kind of making sure that it's not just like this, this one and done, what's the one thing, and it gives me to the one job, and it gives me to the one wife, and the one, and by God, if I don't get the identity and the job and the wife and the whatever, you know, I'm doomed, you know? Exactly. No, that's a great point. It is. It's a mystery. It's fluid. It's beautiful. I like what you said. There's from a philosophical standpoint, I would see this in scripture, there's what's known, there's the unknown, and there's the not knowable. There yes. Is. Yeah. And God's not inviting us into the not knowable. There's clearly yeah. the not knowable, but he's inviting us into the unknown so that we, yes. can, we can explore it and learn it. The unknown about ourselves, the unknown about our world, the unknown about him, learning about God, searching out God, those kinds of things. So yeah, you're right. And it's not a one and done. Transformation takes time. It's a process. It's an ongoing, as Paul says, keep presenting your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is an act of worship. God, here I am. What are things I believe about myself today that are not true? The goal is to get to a place where he says nothing, like you're walking in truth go keep going yeah yeah when when we get to that place of like we have a good sense of our identity it's a journey but we have a good sense of it like in our teams um we'll go around our teams we, we, i wish we had more time to do this part but we'll go around our teams and we do uh we we do a check-in we call it and we do it based on negative emotion like anyone experiencing a negative emotion because a negative emotion is an invitation into discovering something that you believe that's not true. That's what negative emotion, this value of it, it's beautiful. And we use negative emotion as an invitation from God, which takes it away from the enemy to use the negative emotion. But anyway, so, but the goal of the team is that we're all in our, we're all in our right identity as we understand it currently. Um, we're not dealing in the false, we're, we're living in joy in that position. So we're kind of in Eden in a sense. What are we supposed to do? Create. That's what you're supposed to be doing. We're co-creators with God. Take that true identity and create. Creating is our vocation. In what? Whatever it is you're doing, create. So like what we're, we're doing this weekend is we're having, our question is, can we stop human trafficking in the world? Can we? Why not? Why, why have we accepted? Well, it's just always going to be here. So like that's lie-based thinking. So we put identities in a room. We get in our true identities. We've been working on this for three and a half years. The identity. So the so when people are introducing themselves to each other in this group, they don't say, I'm a CIA agent, I'm an FBI. What they say is, in the kingdom of God, I'm a lover of the guilty. That's, a that's their identity. That's powerful. In the kingdom of God, I'm a protector of the innocent. When they say their identity, they are also telling us what they do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
And so we all know after we've introduced each other, like, oh my gosh, okay, I know what you're, I know. And when we pray, I know how God's going to talk to you. He's going to talk to you about loving the guilty. Like, it's so simple. Yeah, I, it, this, yeah. that, that powerful, uh, let me dig into something because I know that you've shared this and I, and I, I just try to get to the point of it is that when you walk in your true identity, the whole hierarchical structure that a lot is taught in Christianity is like, I'm the this, so therefore I'm in charge, or I'm the man, so therefore I'm in charge, or I'm the pastor, or I'm the apostle, or I'm the, whereas when we're walking in our true identity, it's, it's based on um, what I've learned from you, is that it's sort of like, whose turn is it? That's what right. play are we running? Oh, you, this play? Great. You're, you're leading this play, and I'm going to be championing you on, and that's going to be awesome. We're going to move the ball down the field, and now we're going to get to the next play. What play, God? Okay, we're going to play this play. You're leading this. And it's very fluid, and it's all making progress, but we create this false, like, the quarterback will always run the ball every single time, every play, every opponent, every, and that's how we do Christianity. Right. And it's just like, it's stupid. Right. That's right. And so just because someone's an apostle or an, Paul, t- Paul says it, we're a body. There's a hand, there's an eye, there's a head. And yeah. if everyone, if everyone is in their own identity, the whole thing works together without competing against each other. Mm-hmm. The way, so, you know, like when I'm, when I'm like reviewing a team, like if we're brought in to listen, work with a team and you watch as, as soon as the hand says, I want to be an eye, this thing's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, and so you can watch in ministry teams and in teams that are just professional teams, you can watch them competing with one another. As soon as you see the self-protection and self-promotion, you know, this team is not going to work. It's not going to, right. Yeah. Because, and, of that, and because of that. So the, the scripture that comes to mind, it says, you'll know a tree by its fruit. And this is something I, I, I want to kind of zone in on before we land the, the land, the plane. And that is, um, one of the things I got from your teaching and some of your stories is fruitfulness, yeah. productivity, progress. Um, and, and taking the football analogy, it's sort of like if you're running, if your life is a play against an opponent and you keep losing over and over and over, you're losing ground or you're just maintaining, but you're definitely not progressing and you're definitely not making touchdowns. Right. It just ain't happening. Yeah. But yet you see, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, you know, it is to my, to my father's glory that you bear much fruit and every other scripture that's like, you're going to win. Right. And you're like, not my life. Right. Not my experience. Yeah. Right. So can you talk, can you talk about, um, identity, walking in your true identity and your false identity and fruitfulness. Right. And, and our results and like how they're related. Right. So, Paul, so Jesus says that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. And this is the father's will that you bear much fruit and that it be fruit that remains. That's, I mean, there it is. So, um, so in our, in the truth of who we are is if we're abiding in him and, and he in us. And so I have a book coming out about this actual question in the summer of 2022, but it's about abiding. Abiding is attention, awareness, enunciation, hearing, and then action. Action is the last part that comes after attention, awareness, hearing. We call it enunciation. Then comes action. So if you're in your true self, you're moving in your true self, and you're abiding, only the true self can abide in Christ. The false self can't abide in Christ. Yeah. The true self is abiding in Christ. 
it becomes other focused. Mm -hmm. As soon as you become other focused, you begin to produce fruit. It's just like if other focus means I'm just going to like, you know, if we're, we were praying in a group and the, the one, one of the guys in the group, like, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do about this boss I have now? What do you want me to know about him? What do you want me to do? And the, his sense from the Lord was, I want you like to take him donuts tomorrow. Okay. The prayer itself is other focus, self-emptying love for another. And he did, this boss was hard. That prayer bears fruit. It can't not bear fruit. It'll advance. Take him donuts. Does he want that? It doesn't matter. You, you, you heard and responded. You obeyed. That bears fruit. And so whether that guy ever tells you what happened, it bears fruit. So what we're looking at, we don't, what we're avoiding is compulsive repetition. Compulsive repetition. It's just like, well, this is what we do. I've shared my faith 22 times with this person. It doesn't work. They're mad at me then why wouldn't you go back to God and ask, is there another way to do this? Like, yeah. and we hate doing it. Like we, it, we don't do it with any kind of joy. It's, we, you know, yeah. then, then like this should be whatever you're doing. Jesus went to the cross with the joy as joy, the joy set before mm -hmm. him endured the cross. He doesn't look at the cross and go, well, I hate this, but I guess it's, I got to do. It's like, no, he had a sense of the fruit of that horrible scenario so he could go into it with joy he knew that it was going to result in fruit and progress even though it, he asked is there another way to do it so if i'm abiding in christ and my identity comes from him what, what the other thing that happens in your true identity is because i don't get my identity from my boss or from the success of a project i can go into him without fear yeah and so you're already six you're already Meaning. more successful yeah. because you're not self-protecting and self-promoting in anything that you're doing it just bear and people look at you like it bears fruit because just people are like why are you i don't get why you're doing this the guy we're the guy that's leading off our session tomorrow he's the top salesperson in his company big international company he's already met his sales quota for 2022 already right so snap so if you ask him he's been through all of our identity training over the last three years if you ask him like if he's invited in it's funny because when they invite him in to talk on sales here's what he says here's the secret to sales other focused self-emptying unconditional love for your enemies that's the secret to sales they want to hear what are the five things you say yeah, of course of course right? and he's saying look what he's really famous for is people encroaching on his sales territory. And when he finds out they're doing it, he just gives it to them. He just yeah. gives it. He like, you can have it. It's not, there's a, this well, that's, I mean, that's abundance mindset, right? right. I mean, it's, it's that's just right. sort of like, is, is God a God of abundance or is God a God of, Hey, right. you take my piece of the pie. The pie maker's dead. That's he doesn't right. make pies anymore. And there's only this exactly. much left now. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And so, so the bearing fruit, the bearing fruit, fruit of is it's not even like something you're trying to do it's just the byproduct of the true identity yeah that's the a true good identity is not trying to bear fruit it won't yeah, amen. No, that's good that's good right it'll well, just be who it is that's so, it'll be who it is and that bears fruit that's what jesus is modeling and trying to demonstrate to us he's like rest 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 that was a whole eden work from rest don't rest from work work from rest be at rest and then work 
let it come out of your true identity, what your true identity does. That's called work. We love it. It's beautiful, but do it from a place of rest. Yeah. So let me, let me, uh, I'll end with this. So the reason why I was so frustrated with you, I'm just going to be honest. This is why I was so frustrated when I, when I listened to, I listened to the AC, the, whatever the youth podcast was, I might put a link into it. It was really good. Um, but, um, uh, it was because, um, when you would speak and you would go through different things and mentalities, frameworks, scriptures, I was like, yep, check, 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 check. Think that, believe that, believe that, believe that, believe that. Why is he so settled? Why is he just, why is he having a good time? I believe all that stuff. I believe all that stuff, but my, I can look at my life and say, there's a disconnect between the things that I truly do believe. They really are what I really believe and what I experience in life. Right. Whereas, whereas you were experiencing like, this is what I believe. And this is how I live. This is what I believe. This is the fruit of, it. and it's like, it was this cohesive thing. Yeah. And it frustrated me so much because I was like, I've been really working hard at this. <laughs> and, and it's just like, it, it, it can't be that simple. And so, but now I've, you know, investigated, I've dug in, I've, I've listened more. And, and obviously we've had this conversation today and, and I'm maybe coming to believe, okay, maybe it is this simple. And there is a way to live in Christ. That is this cohesive whole, what you believe actually shows up in how, what you do, how you okay. live. Yes. Um, in a re in the truest sense of that word i, I words fail me i, I it's no, not that's good no that's good yeah am i the only person that's been frustrated by you <laughs> i've been frustrated i'm frustrated with it all the time how how complicated we make things there's only one so so com, com, the world is filled with complexity models the it's filled with it trees nature have complexity models but they're not complicated they just are complex. And so in a complexity model, all your, what, in a complexity model, all, your only question is where in this complexity model is my piece? And this is all I'm going to focus on is this piece. And it simplifies the whole thing because I'm not trying to do the whole thing. I'm just trying to do this one piece. Mm -hmm. What makes a complexity model complicated is fear. Fear makes everything complicated because fear is trying not to do it. Fear is like, I got to make this thing so complicated because, so I don't have to actually engage it. Mm. So when I'm with people, I just had this conversation with one of our people out here. I've never prayed with a person that didn't already know the answer to the prayer ever. Mm. What? So, so no matter what we're involved in, we can say, I mean, I think any secular psychologist will tell you belief. Most people don't even, they can tell you what they believe, but they don't believe it. The way you know by what they believe is by what they do. That's how you know. So if a person says, yeah, I believe God's with me all the time. That's like my friend. Then let me see. How does a person who knows that God's with them all the time live? You live just like me. You know, you're looking at the person, you're just as fearful as I am. What do you mean you believe God's with you all the time? You don't. So when I'm with people, ultimately you're getting back to, let's, let's get back to what you really believe about God. Is God, and I, I'll ask him, like, do you think God is really for you? Really, really, really believe he's for you? Because if you are convinced God is for you in, and you understand your identity, you'll try anything in that identity. And it'll, it'll work, actually. 
But if you don't really believe his God is for you, you'll ultimately have to self-protect at some level and it'll shut down what you're doing. So, so in a, what I'll give you one example, fear. So we were going to do this project in another country, me and my wife, and we were pretty sure that we were going to get arrested if we did it. Like we felt invited into it, but we we're pretty sure like we're going to get in trouble if we go do this in this country. And so what we were doing was making it complicated so that we didn't have to do it. <laughs> we're like, well, there's this consideration and this consideration. Really the whole time we knew exactly if God isn't making clear his will, then it's his fault that we don't get it. If God is not making his will clear to us, then it's his fault that we don't get it. So I think, so we were, and I said one day to my wife, we were, I don't understand what, what does that mean? I don't understand. Yeah. That. So, so like if, if, if let's say I'm standing before God in heaven and I said, I really like, I really wanted to do your will. I just couldn't understand it. And God knows that that's true, that yeah. I really couldn't understand it. Whose fault is it that I couldn't understand it? Him. Yeah, yeah. Like, that can't be true. He has, his will has to be clear. It has to be simple and I have to be able to hear it. No, I don't have to do it, but I, but he, but I can't stand before him in all, with all justice. And like, he goes, I know I made it so you couldn't understand it. I made but it. God so would you, never do that. That's your point. No, God would, yeah. Right, okay. So thank you. Got point, it. Right? I'm, I'm following now. Yeah, yeah. So my point is when I go to pray with a person, they're like, I just don't understand God's will in this. Like I already, I know they do. I know it's down there. I know they do. What's stopping them is fear. Yeah. That's what's stopping them. If they, if they just accept what God has said, they're afraid of it. Like it's that simple and that clear. Yeah. But if it's like everyone in the Bible says this to God, like, yeah, but that's not going to work. They all say it. That's what the Bible's tell, helping us understand all humanity. When they listen to God go, that's, I can't do that. Like, that, just get that's true just say it to god don't pretend like you didn't hear it don't pretend like well i don't know god's will there's this and this and like no just tell the truth lord i would love to do that i'm just terrified of it that's confession mm -hmm. and so when i when i'm praying with people it's like you know help me understand god's will no let's let's understand not to be afraid of god so tell me what you got y'all did did you go in there and do the project or you're like no we're not we can't we did and we got arrested <laughs> and it was and my wife will tell you <laughs> my wife will tell you it was the greatest experience of her journey of her life was that arrest mm. and god was inviting us into something that we weren't going to do because we made it too complicated to do because we were afraid of it yeah and instead of just saying we are going to receive this invitation. I said to her one day, we're intentionally making this complicated because we're both afraid. Aren't you afraid? Yes. I always tell couples, if you want to have a deep relationship, always tell each other what you're most afraid of all the time. Because those are the things we hide. And, and so, yeah, so truth, you, it really gets down to what do I really believe about God? What do I really believe about myself? That's where the Lord is always taking us. Because if we really understood who God is and we really understood who we are, this journey is pretty stunning. Yeah, it's we're well, I, I'm coming to believe that we could be unstoppable. <laughs> like right. legitimately. I mean, meaning that, I mean, where you look at the people in the Bible and be like, that's impossible. Right. I'd never, I couldn't, I wouldn't. I'm not going to be the guy singing with jail, jail, you know, like cuffs on my hand. It ain't going to happen. Right. 
but you could be like, no, that actually could happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and the beauty is, the beauty is it'll only happen if your true self is invited into it by God. It's not going to, it's the yeah. reason we can't imagine things is because God's not inviting us into it. Yeah, it's very people, true. Stop wasting time thinking about things God will never invite you into. Yeah, if amen. God's going to invite you into, you know, like our guys have been tortured. When, when God invites them, it's like inviting Jesus to the cross. If I invite you to the cross, I will be there in a way that you will not believe the depth of how I will be there with you. God is for you. Jesus is with you and the spirit is in you. So when we encounter, you know, Isaiah says it, it's not if, if you encounter the fire and the flood, you will. Here's the beauty. I will be with you and you will hear me because I will be talking to you by name in mm. that moment so we have guys our guy you know all of us have been taken out to be executed at some point or another but the guys that were actually tortured that that you know went through the whole thing when you're with them and i've read people in concentration camps talking about it they will say i knew jesus at a depth there that i have never known him before in that torture see we that aren't in the torture camp we, we try and put ourselves in the situation you don't you're not invited into it you don't have the grace for it don't yeah. do that just live in the day and be who god who, who you truly are with god in the present tense that's all don't put yourself anywhere else but um one of my friends that had lou gehrig's disease he died two years ago as he was rapidly declining and it was sudden you know he got diagnosed he was, I was sitting with him. He couldn't stand up anymore. He couldn't move. He could only barely talk. And he said to me, he said, if Jesus came to you and said, you could know me at a level deeper than anything you could imagine and all the beauty that, that means, if he invited you into that, all you have to do is flip that switch and slowly suffocate to know me at that level. Would you do it? That's what he asked me. And I said, I, I, said, I would not. That he is. said, I am in that and I would do it again. And he died shortly after that. See, our thing is, we think death is bad and it's the end. And we try and avoid it at all costs. What he's telling me is, I am transitioning into a level of being that, and this is what Jesus is trying to tell us. You cannot die. You cannot die. You cannot die. I've taken away death. Don't be afraid. And so if he took away death and the fear of death, Hebrews chapter 2, that means just be alive. Be alive in your true self and enjoy this thing. Don't get freaked out about it, upset about it. Don't try and be anyone else. Be yourself. Blessed are the meek. Why? Because you can inherit the earth. Like yeah. I'm giving it to you. Stop striving. Stop taking on false identity. Enjoy the mystery. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, Kindling Fire listeners, you guys, you're going to need to follow up with jamie where how would they follow up with you yeah our website identityexchange.com we've got some great um online resources we do we've got a we one we just released this year called becoming what you believe i love it and it's uh you can do it you know you can, it's a self-paced online workbook lectures and then we have a we have an intensive that you can do with us and then all that's all available on our uh, identityexchange.com yeah. Well, guys, I, I so encourage um, your wife's name is Donna and, and okay. so encourage you guys look up Jamie and Donna Winship. There are so many stories we didn't even touch. I was really just going in on some other stuff I wanted to cover, but you got 
amazing stories so many so thank you it's been an honor to have yeah, you on thanks thank you jamie thanks for like being real with me i <laughs> it's not usual that it happens this way so thanks for doing that i appreciate hey it. guys thanks for listening to the podcast Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there, and that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.